This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health, discussing conception, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness, and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Hi, welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Um, today, I have an awesome guest. Graham Seabrook is going to be on with us, and she's a life coach who works with moms to find and recenter themselves in their lives. She's created the Self Care Squad, a community on Facebook where moms come together to learn from each other and support each other on their self care journeys. She's a blogger and a speaker and a course creator and a mom to an almost four-year-old son and an 18-month-old daughter. Her personal squad resides in Charleston, South Carolina, and I know you guys will be delighted by this interview. She's such a pleasure of a person to talk with, and I know she's helping so many moms out there. Welcome, Graham. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk with you. I know you through social media and all of the awesomeness that you do in helping moms. This is one of the first, well, we've talked once before, yeah. but this is one of the first times we've been able to really chat and talk about how you support moms. I'm really excited to share what you do with everybody. Moms are my favorite things to talk about. Like, <laughs> so I am a mom dork. So we can talk <laughs> about mamas, moms, however you want to say it, all day long. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So I'm going to be picking your brain about the work that you do and how you support moms. So let's start there and talk about the work that you do and what prompted you to get into moms. I love that get into moms because they're <laughs> awesome, because they're super cool. When I was a little girl, like that's what I wanted to be. I mean, oh. I told people other things because, you know, I was born in the late 70s and so I was growing up in that first generation of like expecting girls to have really cool answers for what they wanted to be when they grew up, you right. know, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to be a mom. Like I just wanted to have a million kids. Aww. I didn't realize how big a number a million was when I was like five. I didn't get it. So as I got older, that number came down to like four. But Mm -hmm. I was always really specific. Like I was that girl that had like all of the names picked out. And I knew that there were going to be like two boys and two girls. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I had the whole thing. And then 
I had my son and then the whole world stopped mm-hmm. and this like horrible gray fog came down mm-hmm. and kind of sucked up my entire family. And there was this rage monster that was inside of me that mm-hmm. turned me into this Oh, it was horrible living inside that rage monster and like hearing her screaming and being on the inside of that and being like, what am I angry about? Mm -hmm. Like really being, there was always a part of me that was really confused. Like, why am I so mad all the time? Mm -hmm. And there was this separation, this wall between me and everybody else. And I just kept thinking like, man, nobody told me it was going to suck this bad. Like what? Mm -hmm. And that was some real actual anger like the why didn't anybody tell me why didn't anybody warn me were all of my I had my kids late my son was born when I was 34 so a ton of my friends had already had kids Mm -hmm. and so I'm sitting here like you guys all lied to me every (laughs) single one of you (laughs) you know my sisters my mom because I just assumed that this was how it was for everybody Mm -hmm. and they were just better at it than I was you know? And I thought, okay, so everyone in my life has lied to me about this thing. I will only ever have this one child because obviously I'm horrible at it. Right. And probably Adam is going to leave me because who would stay with somebody like this? Like I was making plans in my head. I was making plans for the day that he walked out. I actually had this because I was a genius and I was obviously thinking very clearly. (laughs) I had had a whole plan that I was going to convince him that I was having an affair with his best friend and that was going to free him so that he could move on with his life. Like this was my plan. This is made even more hilarious by the fact that like his best friend is, he's one of the sweetest guys, one of the most religious guys ever. So like, if anybody was never going to do this, right? <laughs> like I just picked, oh, I don't even know. I was person. right. Like that was just never going to work. There's just no way. Yeah. And then I eventually told my therapist that, and she was like, that's a really bad plan. Like she just Just laid it out. Yeah. She just said it. Like she just was very matter of fact, not well thought out and that's not going to work. And like, she just started poking holes in it and I'm going, okay, you're supposed to help me. I didn't realize that she was actually helping me. So I was, you know, I did therapy and I did medication and I was eating better and I was going to the gym and like working out and I thought none of it was working. But one of the wonderful things that my therapist had me do was every morning write down how I was feeling just a quick scale of one to 10, Mm -hmm. like not journaling or paragraphs or like, you know, just pick a number when you first open your eyes, right? So looking back over writing all of those numbers. Once you can see all of those numbers kind of like plotted out two months, three months behind you, maybe it took a month to get from like a four to a six, but I got to a six. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe it took like another month to get to an eight, but eventually I got to an eight. And so like every time I was feeling better, it was in these tiny little incremental steps. And I could never feel it while I was in it. I was like, when is this going to stop being horrible? But then I would turn and look and be like, oh, wait, Mm -hmm. this is a new horrible. This is not (laughs) the same horrible as that horrible a couple months ago. It was way more horrible. All right, maybe this isn't horrible. Maybe this is just kind of bad. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to move up to like, not so bad. And mm-hmm. then, we're, you know, so it was just this really slow progression and it felt, ugh. And then I thought I was recovered because I don't know, I'm a mess. I thought I was recovered. And it was recovering from the recovery is where I found self-care and is where I started reaching out to other moms and is where my entire life changed. It wasn't really in getting sick Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even really in getting better. Mm -hmm. It was in the terror of how to move forward. I don't That's know if that makes super sense. powerful. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the recovery of the recovery, that is powerful stuff right there. And yeah. that is that period of time that I don't think we talk about enough. Is oh, that it's once so you can hard. Finally, like breathe sort of freely and see above the water and function back in your life. Now you're back in your life. Right. And, okay. And so like, going. yes, now you're back in your life and you have to keep it going but you now have no practice in doing that (laughs) because you haven't done it for however long it's been, you know, whether it's been weeks Mm -hmm. or months or for some people years, like you don't know how to do it anymore. And now you have to do it with another family member. Like I knew how to live my old life. Mm -hmm. I knew how to be sick in my new life. I had Mm -hmm. no clue how to be well in my new life. So that was like, I don't know, like a mystery story trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a big, huge chunk of that was, for me, it was two things. A big, huge chunk of that was learning how to really take care of myself again, like from the basic stuff, Mm -hmm. eating, drinking, sleeping, like literally basic food, water, shelter, self-care stuff, right? And then also... I still had this like nobody told me kind of anger and I had this thing of like, I am never going to let another mom Mm -hmm. go through this and be shocked the way I was, you know, I I can't resonate with you. Yeah. I can't make it so that nobody ever gets sick. I can make it so that you know what's going on if it happens Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. Kind of, those were the twin things that started at the same time. So I just started getting like super loud on social media, like on Facebook, and then later on Twitter, but I'm still much more of a Facebook person. People would ask me how I was, like friends. Before I had my son, my mom and I worked in the same company. And so people would send me emails and be like, hey, how are you doing? Your mom was showing like all of these pictures of Andrew everywhere. And, you know, how are you? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm still struggling. I have postpartum depression and anxiety and I'm having some panic attacks. And like, that is yeah. not what they were expecting. No. Right. <laughs> right. Or I would just say like, you know, so I had a med change and we're slowly like we're backing off the Zoloft and, um, you know, so I'm just mm-hmm. trying to like give myself some grace and take a lot of time with everything. And yeah. People had no idea what to say to that. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube. And she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, 
was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. <laughs> no, they I, you, were... <laughs> can't, you can't see me, but I'm smiling over here because I love that you did that. I just um, totally like they were expecting like, oh, he's kind of, you know, he's not sleeping or they were expecting like funny right. poop stories or like right. teething, you know, <laughs> they were yeah. not expecting like a medication or like, oh, my therapist was out of town last week. It was really hard because right. she went on vacation. It was rough. Right. Like they were like, what is wrong with her? And my mom would say to me, and she's like, people keep asking me if you're okay. What are you telling people? What is going on, Graham? Oh, my goodness. And I would just tell her, like, no, I told them I was okay. I just said, you know, I was doing a med change. They asked. What did they think I was going to say? Right, right. That whole thing is part of the reason why moms feel bad. Even mm-hmm. or feel bad about feeling bad. It's exactly you're supposed to pretend like you're fine. Exactly. And I also, you know, when I got pregnant, we used to joke that there was something in the water at the office because there were like ten of us that got pregnant at the same time. Mm-hmm. Within months of each other, there were so oh, many wow. babies. Like that summer, there were so many babies from like April until July, just baby, baby, baby. Mm-hmm. So. My thought in my head was, I don't work there anymore, right? They can't fire me. They can't do anything horrible because I'm now the crazy lady. Um, So I'm just going to be loud and I'm just going to talk about it. And if any of the other moms need help, they'll know they can talk to me. Yeah. You know, like I just thought if somebody can just say it and like name the elephant in the room, then if anybody else was sitting there thinking, oh, no, I see an elephant, but nobody else sees it, (laughs) you know, and there was no risk. Like, there's no risk to me because I don't work there anymore. So there's no, you know, promotion I could lose or whatever. There's just no risk. And so I did. And Mm. none of them ever needed, like, or they never said anything. But (laughs) three of the women who I used to work with, one who had her daughter was a little bit older than Andrew. And then two other people reached out to me for friends of theirs Uh said like, okay, so my sister just had her kid, something's off. And I remembered that you had, you know, had talked about this or my neighbor or my, you know, so I kind Mm -hmm. of just became like a resource without even realizing, you know. Well, I think Uh, that's one of the, like the benefits and beauties of feeling angry about <laughs> not knowing is that you people need to know mm-hmm. yeah and there's no like that whole like oh gosh I hope nobody thinks this about me is gone mm-hmm. because yeah. 
because you're like enraged and also yes. passionate at the same time. Yes. And, yeah. And there's so much power in what you did. I mean, you just sharing that with those people, you helped potentially at least three other people. Oh, yeah. Yes. At least three, possibly more. And at the very least, they all know, none of them can say, I don't know anybody. Right. You know, like they know me. So they know a person with a face and they know I'm also a good mom. They know that I've had another kid because Rory is 18 months. Andrew is four years. So like they have seen now this whole full experience and Mm -hmm. none of them can say like, oh, that doesn't happen here. That doesn't happen to anyone I know or, you know, all of those excuses are kind of just blown up, Yeah, which feels really good. That feels really good. Yeah. That's why I started blogging about it too. I started just writing, I started writing it out on my birthday last year. (laughs) It was my birthday present to myself. I was like, you know what? Just telling all the people, all the things like here, just spilling my guts. Here you go. Awesome. Because I knew I was in a much stronger place and I could do it without it hurting, you know? Yeah. And I also had been doing... When I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter, I just kind of panicked because I didn't want to get sick again, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how do I make this not happen? Mm -hmm. Even though one of the biggest risk factors for for having to deal with maternal mental illness is having already dealt with it. So I'm like, oh, well, crap. I already have one strike against me, right? Mm -hmm. So what are all of the other things that I could do to stop this? And I thought, surely, like... A million percent. Somebody has written a book on how to not get sick Mm. or like a blog post or like Mm -hmm. there's a class. Like there's got to be a something, right? No, 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 there's not. There's really not. (laughs) Right. There's mostly how to help when people are feeling. Yes. There was an amazing book I found that, oh, now I'm I'm horrible at remembering things. What am I thinking? Is that what is it? What am I thinking? It was for women who've dealt with PPD Mm -hmm. specifically Mm -hmm. and were considering getting pregnant again or had gotten pregnant again. That was the only one that I found that was like written towards moms. That was like for a mom that was talking about like maybe what you went through last time, trying to learn from it, trying to prepare. There was nothing. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to write these blog posts and see if other people are dealing with the same fear and the same like making all of the lists of all of the lists of everything I need to do, (laughs) you know? And as I wrote, people were like, oh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I got a huge response. And I ended up putting that whole like a year's worth of work (laughs) into now there's like, I made like a little email class that moms can take. Awesome. That is just like, here's how to figure out what your risk factors are. Like, let's talk about, you know, whether or not you should have a therapist while you're pregnant. Like, Mm -hmm. here's how you can kind of do some, not diagnosis, but like do some self-check-ins and see like, Mm -hmm. how am I feeling? How's, you know, who do I need to reach out to? How do I make a birth plan? Like, how do I make a birth plan that includes postpartum? Because I had just made all of these lists of questions and I had slowly gotten all of these answers. And 
From other people who are reading about... From other people, uh-huh. from doctors, from yeah. therapists, from mm-hmm. my friends, from my family. Mm-hmm. I asked. I bugged everybody. I got super <laughs> annoying. Like, I got so annoying. Oh. Um, <laughs> because I was just calling, like, there's a couple of really great birth centers here in Charleston. And I knew I was having a C-section again. I knew I wasn't using a birth center, but that did not stop me from mm-hmm. calling them and saying, like, okay, so... <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're trying to avoid a traumatic birth, like what can you do? Who should be hiring a doula? Who should be like, I just wanted to learn all of the things. I wanted to try and make for other moms what I wish somebody had made for me. Yeah. I just, yeah. So it's really like it's five emails. (laughs) And And it's just like, here is some stuff to think about. Here are questions to ask your doctor. Here are things to talk about with your family and ways to interview therapists before you're sick, you know? So good. So it's just really simple and it's up on the website and like, yeah, and moms have been going through it and moms have been, or expectant moms, because it's really, really for first time moms. You can totally use it if, if you're having your second, third, fourth, 10th kid, totally can still use it. But I wrote it first time. Right. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. moms. So although my experience with having my second has been really like having a first because Mm -hmm. I don't remember anything from Andrew's first year, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So all of Rory's first year was like, oh, this is what babies do. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I had no clue. So it's been like having two first kids, if that makes sense. Right. With such different experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 In the work that you're doing, I mean, just as you're talking about it, I can imagine that there was some healing for you just in the process of finding out all of this stuff and getting all of the knowledge and just yeah. how beautiful to pass it on to everybody else. It was hugely healing. When I started researching risk factors for maternal mental illness and I started finding these lists and pretty much everywhere you go has a slightly different list, right? Mm -hmm. There's like just the way people word things or the way, but even in the ones that I see referenced most often, they're usually like between 10 to 12 risk factors. I have eight. Mm. It took Mm. away so much of my guilt of like, it became more and more obvious that my odds of having to deal with this were already astronomical and that it would have been a miracle if I hadn't gotten sick, you know? Right. And that made me like, oh, okay. I didn't screw anything up. Like, oh, okay. And then, of course, because I am me, then it made me angry again. Because why didn't anybody tell me? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some of those risk factors were on my medical chart. Like, I had a previous bout of depression in my early 20s, and that was on my medical chart that my OB had. Mm Mm-hmm. I had a really horrible and horrifying pregnancy and birth experience with my first Mm -hmm. child. Like Mm -hmm. I was sick almost throughout the entire pregnancy. I ended up with like really bad preeclampsia and an emergency C-section. Hello, risk factors. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like nobody. Yeah. And I remember I took all the birth classes So we're sitting in the birth class and they're telling us about how this is, you know, this is what our bodies were created to do. And whoa, okay, leaving beyond all of the 
many layers of issues with that statement. It leaves you with a feeling of, oh, this is going to be fine, (laughs) right? Which I know is what they were trying to do. Like they were trying to calm down all of these like freaked out expectant parents. I get it. Sure, right. But (laughs) they Mm -hmm. didn't mention the 30% C-section rate. We talked about C-sections for like maybe 20 minutes. We talked about gestational diabetes for a good hour. No. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Oh my, no, that's infuriating. I was like, why are you lecturing me about food and exercise and all of these things with this express purpose of avoiding diabetes when like, this was, you know, afterwards when I'm looking back when I'm like, when that, (sighs) okay. Right. (laughs) The number of women. Be addressed, but the proportion at which they're addressing it is, yeah. And then when I go back now and I try to talk to people, Really, my goal at the moment is I want to be in those birth classes. I would like to give like a little two to five minute presentation to those birth classes about what the risk factors are for maternal mental illnesses, about what the constellation of maternal mental illnesses are so that Mm -hmm. people know what the symptoms are. And just like a quick shot about like, here's two or three things you can do right now to prepare yourself, like go ahead and look in your insurance and see if you would be covered for a therapist, for a psychologist or a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. or a counselor, or like, what are the levels? What are you covered for? Mm -hmm. You don't want to have to look that stuff up when you're not sleeping and you're not eating and you can't move and you're crying all the time or screaming at people. Like that is not the time you want to be on the phone with your insurance company. Right. It's not going to go well. <laughs> like, you know, you can take those. This is something that partners can do while you're pregnant. Like, you know, and it's some, and partners, I feel like, really want to do something. Like, while you're pregnant, that's when they're like, give me a thing. They want to do a thing. They want to feel like they're contributing. They want to protect their family. They are ready to help. So you can give them, like, these little quick, small things that are actually extremely impactful and can get everyone ready. Right. So yeah. this falls under the umbrella of self-care. Yes. Also. Yes. And, and I know you're big on like self-care isn't just these like little things that we've determined self-care is. Mm-hmm. Self-care is this, this kind of stuff. Yeah. It really is. I feel like we need to take it literally. Mm-hmm. I feel like that it's most powerful when we take it literally. So how do you literally take care of yourself? Mm-hmm. the same way that you take care of anybody else that you love in your life. Right. Have they had food? Have they had water or something to drink? Are you mm-hmm. dehydrated? Because you probably are, because right. most of us are. Right. A lot of the times that we think we're hungry, we're really thirsty, and we're just trying to get that liquid out of food. And I had no idea that that was a thing until I talked to a nutritionist when I was looking into stuff about depression. And she was like, did you know? That if you're dehydrated, it can mimic depression. And I was like, what? No. (laughs) And then she like showed me all kinds of statistics and medical stuff. And then I had to believe her and it was annoying. But um, (laughs) you're "You're telling me I had to drink water. Are you serious? This is ridiculous. I don't like water. Except now (laughs) I literally carry a thing of water around with me constantly. And I have a group on Facebook. I have a, it's called the self-care squad. 
and it is open to all women and anyone who identifies as feminine in any way. So we have some trans members too. But yeah, they all laugh at me because I have a series of things on my phone (laughs) of alarms built into my phone to remind me to drink water. Because I'm just never going to remember it on my own. I have one. Yeah. Yes. I have one that reminds me to eat lunch because I am not good at that either. Mm -hmm. I get sucked into writing or I get sucked into messaging somebody or helping some like, yeah, all of this self-care stuff came out of me learning how to do it myself and then Mm -hmm. me trying to share it with other people. So uh, you're not talking about pedicures, yeah. you're not talking about bubble baths. Ew. Right. I might have written a blog post that was titled Your Bubble Bath is Bullshit. I believe you did. I might have done that. I might I think I love it. I might have done that a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the funny thing about that is that I have I cannot tell you how many different scents of bubble bath I have because I'm actually <laughs> a, I have a bit of a bubble bath problem because I love it so much. But there are times when it's self-care and there are times when it's not. When what I need is quiet and to get away from my children and close the door and be able to think, then yes, that bubble bath can be self-care, right? Mm -hmm. It really can. It can be an oasis. When what I need is to go to therapy and work through guilt or shame or learn how to set a healthier boundary between me and one of my children, that bubble bath is not going to do that. Right. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. It's just not. So I think the thing that really is bothering me about self-care is the way that we're selling indulgence as Mm -hmm. Mm self-care. We're selling 
ways to numb ourselves or comfort ourselves as self-care. And we're not having conversations about things like, have you gone to the doctor this year? (laughs) You know, like you're spending all of this time making sure that your kids see doctors for their eyes and go to the dentist and get their sports checkups and get their school checkups and their shots and this and that and this and that and the other thing. Meanwhile, you haven't had a pap smear in three years. Right. Like, No, (laughs) because when you change your mindset so that Mm -hmm. you start to think that you are just as important as they are, Mm -hmm. all of these things start to fall into place. Taking care of yourself emotionally, mentally, physically, I feel like it all starts with that mindset of, you know what, the most important relationship I will ever have in my life is with myself. Everybody else is going to walk away at some point. Hmm. There it is, folks. Yeah. I mean, right. They're all going to walk away. Like if you've done your jobs right, your kids are going to walk away and have a life. They are. Your spouse, maybe you're one of those lucky people who like you and your spouse die within days of each other and you get to spend an entire lifetime together. But Mm -hmm. odds are that's not going to happen. You know, the only person that's with you cradle to grave is you. So Mm -hmm. you can have a crappy relationship with yourself. I was in an abusive relationship with myself for like 30 some odd years. Mm. It was not a good time. No. I don't recommend it. <laughs> right. I, I yeah. think we should stop doing that. That's a great so, idea. Oh, yeah. It's little stuff. Yeah. I mean, I hope that the people who are listening and hearing what you have to say are really hearing this. And I'm sure you hear it too. Often like self-care. What is that? Or I don't have mm-hmm. time or... There's yeah. something that's always getting in the way, but, you know, there's all those sayings, you know, if you're not well, your family's not well, or yes. put on your own mask first. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw pour from your overflow. Mm. And I was like, yes, awesome. <laughs> yes, because people are always like, oh, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I'm like, yeah, you mm. can't drink from an empty cup either. And I want you mm. to fill up first, like yeah. full, full to the top. Mm-hmm. So then I'm getting the cream off the top that's flowing off. That's the good stuff, you know. Right. When you as a mom feel at your best, then you're also giving your best. Yes. Yeah. I'm a much better mom now. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I imagine that you've seen with the people that you work with, you do coaching with people and Mm -hmm. you've seen them be able to integrate this self-care into their lives in a really much better way, a sustainable way. It's kind of amazing. Women usually come to me saying either like they don't have time to do whatever. They have a project, they have a thing, they have a life that they want to live and they can't figure out how to make it work, right? Mm -hmm. Like there just is no time. Or that they're having a hard time setting a boundary with a family member or both. It could be both. Like that they just can't handle something at work or something at home or they're just up against a wall on something. And really, like those really small mindsets that you're important, that your voice deserves to be heard, that you need to listen to your voice first, like all of these little small changes that I kind of just hold their hands through. Because coaching is very much, it's another thing that is literal. It is coaching somebody. (laughs) If you've ever been on a sports team, it is is coaching. It is not therapy and it is not advice. It is just like, let's make your shot better. And the small changes that I have seen that have just led to um, 
amazing growth in these women. It blows my mind. And I really only work with moms because that's what I know. And like I said, I love the mamas. So it's one of those things that when you make a mom's life better, you make an entire family's life better, and then you make a community's life better. And the impact that we each have, Mm -hmm. wow, it's amazing. So cool. It is. It is very cool. And yeah, you know, I think some moms sometimes feel like, oh gosh, it's all on me to fix all of this and feel the pressure of that. But I mean, but what you're talking about is not that. It is living your life to your best potential or working towards that on some level. And then everyone comes with you. And then a lot of it can actually be learning how to ask for help. (laughs) Learning how to set up your life so that other people are pitching in. So, you know, self-care means that we're focusing on you, but it doesn't mean you're doing it all alone Mm -hmm. at all, at all. Yes. Yeah. Yes. (sighs) All of that. Yeah. So everybody needs to talk to you. They really do. All the mommies, all the mommies, the mamas, the moms, the mas. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think what's so important about the work that you do in the coaching and what you're talking about is that on some level, on some weird like past fundamental level we're socialized out of caring for ourselves and we're socialized into putting other people first yes and like forgetting our own needs and once you have a kid that gets out of balance real fast oh yeah uh, and goes that's not sustainable no 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 we cannot live like that you can see how we can't live like that you yeah. can see how it's not working. And most of us can see it in our own lives, like how it's not working and right. how just asking for help and mm-hmm. being honest about where we are and what we need changes so much stuff. Yeah, I've seen it even just in the self-care squad, like just mm-hmm. with women being honest about what they need with strangers on Facebook. <laughs> like yeah. it, And then you awesome. see them start to change their lives and it is like, what? Oh. So where can people find you? Tell us everything. Everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know you're going to post links, but the, they can search the self-care squad on Facebook and that will bring them right to the group. And we've got like 600 and some change really awesome. cool mamas in there. Awesome. It's my favorite place to be on the internet. And then I also have a website that's postpartummama.org. And I on Facebook am the postpartum mama. So you can just search the postpartum mama too. So, and that's me like on Twitter, I'm postpartum mama and on Instagram that I'm almost never on. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm postpartum mama and Pinterest and like all of the things it's postpartum mama. That's yeah. I was able to grab all of those tags on all of the things. That's really great. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So everybody listening, go find Graham and Mm -hmm. get the support that you need for real self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Graham, for being on and sharing your awesomeness with us. Thanks for having me. So you guys can tell how passionate Graham is about helping moms and how it really comes from her personal knowledge about how important it is to engage in self-care and really make a change in your life that is sustainable and it's going to keep you going for quite some time. So you guys can find her in lots of places on the internet and go to postpartummama.org where you'll find her website and lots of information about her. And on there, you'll find the fourth trimester prep school, which is an email class for reducing postpartum depression risk, which is something we talked about today. 
You can also find her group, the Self-Care Squad, on Facebook and her Facebook page, The Postpartum Mama. So I'll have all those links for you guys to check out in the show notes. I highly suggest you go on over there and see what she has for you. Find out about the information and support that she provides and see if it's up your alley. All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Also, please subscribe and share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.